Welcome to the Ice Guys, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network, Friday, June the 17th. Ian Cameron with you as the Stanley Cup final. We get ready for Game 2 coming up Saturday night between the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Colorado Avalanche. We will uh, preview uh, that game momentarily. Uh, We have another special guest joining us. It's been a great uh, run of special guests on this show uh, since the playoffs began. And we've got another guest joining us today. We're happy to have Kyle Forch joining us uh, here on the show. You can follow him on Twitter at KForch. Uh, Kyle, welcome to the Ice Guys show. Uh, great to have you on the show. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you're a big hockey fan, uh, for sure. You love the sport. And you've got a background in hockey as well. Tell us about it. Yeah, so, I mean, obviously, as, as most little kids in Canada, they grow up playing hockey. I played till I was about uh, 13, 14 years old. And then I got into martial arts and then kind of, as I was working my way through university, I went to Mount Royal in Calgary. Uh, I got into the scouting, uh, aspect of hockey and I started in junior a in the AJHL for a team called the Calgary Mustangs. Uh, I was with them for about two and a half years. My first season was the 16, 17 season. So if you remember, uh, guys like Kale McCarr is a big name from, from that draft year. So I, I scouted against his team and there were definitely a lot of, uh, a lot of times where he was whipping, whipping up and down the ice through our team. And some of those highlights made the NHL draft highlights. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely a lot stronger league than people kind of give it credit for. And then from there I went to the BCHL and then COVID hit. So through COVID, I focused on, started focusing on some other ventures in, in entertainment. So here we are. Here you are. Now, have you considered, hey, something in hockey down the road or, you know, opening, leaving the door open for a potential some involvement with hockey? Or is that uh, a thing of the past now for you? Yeah, definitely want to be involved in it at some point again, Uh, whether it's, you know, a scouting role or an executive role. I've always wanted to own a team, um, like whether it's a junior team or, you know, a minor team, something like that. Um, my business partner and good buddy is also still plays professional hockey. So I still have ties to the game. I still keep in contact with a lot of buddies that either played for me or were coaches or other scouts as well. So I've got, I've gotten offers here and there, but like I kind of mentioned through COVID, it made things really tough. And we, the team that I had started with in Calgary here folded. So we only have uh, one junior A team here then the Hitman and then flames. Still a lot of hockey, but um, not, not my original team. So. <laughs> no, it isn't. So you talk about some of the players who who are any, uh, players that you scouted either with or against. You mentioned against Makar when you were yeah. you know preparing your team and scouting and trying to see hey how, ways we can beat them, things we got to do, strategies, game plans for a specific team or a specific player. Do you find the game plans changed a lot when you were talking about Kale Makar? Now I know he was at a much younger age and he wasn't fully developed yet, but you could have probably see that this guy clearly had some elite level skill, ability, vision, sees the ice extremely well, skates like the wind, incredible passer, uh, moves extremely well, shoots the puck well. I mean, what doesn't Kale McCarr do? And if you see now in the NHL level, his defensive game, maybe earlier on years ago, maybe back to when you were scouting against him, maybe you could say his defensive game wasn't where it should be. Can't say that anymore. I don't know if you could do a better job on uh, Connor McDavid than he often did uh, in that series against the Edmonton Oilers 
in the West final. His defensive game has grown leaps and bounds. You you could pretty much tell right away, though, when you were scouting against Kale McCarr, we got a special talent on our hands right here. Yeah, it was insane. I mean, you the things that he was doing in junior, he still does in the NHL. He'll start in his end and skate through every single player on that ice and go top corner as a D-man. I mean, he was doing that in junior. He was doing it in the NCAA. You saw him, you've seen him do it on more than one occasion in the NHL now. It's just insane, especially coming out of, you know, a league or a level of hockey where people kind of underestimate it in junior A. Um, you know, everyone thinks major junior is where all the talent's going to come out of, whether it's the WHL, the Q, or the O. And, you know, you see with guys like Makara that it's starting to change, and there's a lot more talent in a lot more places in hockey now, for sure. And he's thriving right now. And you could argue, I think, after especially the Edmonton series win, the sweep over the Oilers, which I know you took great pleasure in. Uh, <laughs> right? Safe yeah, to say? Absolutely. Absolutely. Especially after they beat my Flames. So, yeah. yeah definitely. <laughs> I, didn't have, I didn't have to get my head shaved like Biz, though. So, no, exactly. At least you kept your hair on your head after <laughs> yeah, exactly. uh, Calgary lost to uh, Edmonton. Uh, Paul Bissonette <laughs> was not as fortunate, uh, for sure. That was a great scene. Uh, great job by TNT, including that on their broadcast as well. And I know the Chicklets guys talked about that, that uh, they were very happy that TNT you know, allowed that to be on the air, too, during the pregame show for that game. Uh, with yeah. the Avs and the Oilers, and uh, that's the way you do it. You know, you don't. I know better than anybody as a betting man. You don't. You know, go back on a bet when you say, when you agree to it. You shake hands on it. You, you got to honor it at the end, win or lose. Yeah. You know, if you win, uh, you expect the other guy to pay you in kind. Uh, if you lose, you got to honor it at the end of the day. Uh, that's Absolutely. what a good person does. That's what an honorable, respectable, reputable person does. And. Of course, yeah. reputability in my industry has been hard to come by at times, especially 20, 30 years ago when there's a million toll-free phone numbers saying, Bet, call 1-800-THIS, you got my lock of the year in the NFL, and the thing is not even close, and they lose all the time. Yeah. You know, the old backdoor <laughs> boiler room scam operations. So that's the kind of uphill battle shit we've been dealing with in the sports betting industry for 30 fucking years. So we've had to overcome that. That's why I tell the people all the time, and credit to biz, honor your bets whether they're shaving your head or whether there's money involved, whatever, honor your bets. If you lose them. Absolutely. Especially when there's millions of people looking at you. <laughs> yeah. You look like a douchebag or an asshole or an, 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 like just absolutely. You'd look awful. The optics yeah. would be terrible if you ended up saying, yeah, you know what I said? I'd shave my head. If uh, Calgary ended up losing here in these finals and uh, I'm not going to do it now. They yeah. weren't going to let that slide though. I have a feeling the uh, chicklets gang, but that, um, so in terms of your scouting days, Best memory, worst memory of them? What do you got? Oh, man, that's a tough question. I mean, I think the, the best memory would have, would have been with the Mustangs with that that first team. Um, there was a lot of memories in, in general with them, but just being able. So when I joined them in, in 16, 17, uh, they, we joined about halfway through the season. They hired a, they brought a new coach, a new GM by the name of Tyler Drader. Um, and I was, I believe I was, his first scout or one of the first scouts that they had hired, you know, when this new, um, this, this staff flip basically. And that just coming in halfway through that season was, it was brutal. It was, it was rough. I mean, we set the record for the least amount of wins in AJHL history at the time. And just going in through that off season, you know, into spring camp and getting, we kind of focused on guys that were diamonds in the rough, if you will that some of these other big name teams may let slide through the cracks. And these guys ended up being our, 
you know, our top scorers um, in the league who were getting looks by NCAA players. But we went from an eight win season to a 25 win season and made playoffs the very next year. So kind of helping being a part of that rebuild essentially was probably my best memory with them. Um, I, the worst memory is probably getting getting swept that year in playoffs after all that work <laughs> against Camrose. That was a heartbreaking one for sure. Um, and especially when a lot of those guys were, or not a lot of those guys, but a couple of those guys, that was their last year or two. And, you know, just seeing the, the devastation and, and thereafter, you know, coming off of a, a crappy a crappy season to that rebuild, those guys, you know, those guys were feeling it too. Because a lot of those kids go into that season, they're like, oh, we're on the Mustangs. This is going to be you know, this, this year's not going to go well. And then, you know, they start gaining that confidence and that they buy really buy into, to the system and the team throughout that year. So that, that final loss that getting booted out of playoffs there is definitely, it was a hard one for sure. Yeah. It it sounds like it was a, it was tough, painful, especially when you put in all the work and you ended up having a pretty good run to get to that point. Uh, And then all of a sudden to see it end, it's definitely disappointing. Now you're an Alberta boy. So you had a front row seat to the battle of Alberta for the first time in what 30 years that the Oilers and the flames played each other in a, a playoff series was just the back and forth between the two fan bases, the two cities as wild and as crazy as I seem to think just looking from the outside that it looked to be because it seemed like it was a series where both fan bases back and forth and it was just something that whether you're Flames fan or an Oilers fan, regardless of how the series played out. And obviously Edmonton was the one that advanced Sorry to remind you, but uh, <laughs> in spite of that, it felt like the fan bases, they were just, just relishing the idea of the battle of Alberta being back in the Stanley cup playoffs. It looked like it was just a fun time to be in that province. Yeah, it was insane, especially being in Calgary. And, uh, you know, a lot of people have, have heard of the sea of red on 17th Avenue there. Um, I mean, that was in full of for- full force. If you if you didn't have tickets to the game, then your next option was the red lot right outside, which was packed every single night. And if you didn't have tickets to that, you had to try to get into a bar somewhere to watch the games. And more often than not, you know, you're you could be waiting, you know, an hour or two just to get into one of these bars two, three hours before the game. even. So the city was definitely bought in, whether you were a Flames fan or an Oilers fan. Um, I mean, it was it was great for the province and, and great for Canadian hockey in general. So it, w- it was nice to see as much as you, you know, you hate the other team. It's, it was nice to see the the two face off in, in the playoffs for once. Yeah, no, no question. It's just you wanted the result to be a little bit different for obvious reasons. Yeah, for uh, sure. No question. Look, for I'll, sure. I'll, I'll say it again with that series. Uh, Calgary. Calgary finally had Calgary had some issues at the end of the Dallas series with giving up too many high danger chances. If you look at natural stat trick and you look at all these websites that chart, you know, high danger chances, expected goals, you know, Dallas was getting a bunch of good looks. They weren't getting a ton of shots. Calgary was out shooting them a ton in that series, but it seemed like a lot of the shots and a lot of the chances Dallas got were quality chances and Markstrom had to be good. I remember in that overtime, you know, hoping like hell Calgary wins just so we see the Battle of Alberta. Yep. And Tyler Sagan misses a redirect right in front of the net by like inches. It was that close to Dallas winning. I was game having seven. a heart attack. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was. I mean, they were that close, Dallas, to maybe uh, upsetting Calgary. Although Dallas only got to overtime because of Jake Ottinger. He was absolutely yeah. incredible that entire series. And for the large part of the playoffs, he's been leading the uh, playoffs and expect and goals saved above average. You know, the uh, advanced metric to measure goaltenders against the best chances, the most dangerous chances. And Ottinger was number one in the NHL 
after the play in the after the Stanley Cup playoffs after the first round uh, in that category, and for good reason. He was just absolutely incredible in that series against Calgary, but they survived and they went on to play uh, Edmonton. And then against Edmonton, they were still giving up too many of those danger chances. But what was the difference, Kyle? As you know, Edmonton's going to finish those chances probably at a higher clip than Dallas could. Yeah. And that ended up being the difference. They had a hard time containing that Edmonton speed. The Edmonton transition game ate them alive. Uh, I remember the one game Blake Coleman just drops the pocket. Not a Blake Coleman type of play, especially if you remember the way he played in Tampa last year. He just yeah. leaves the puck at the blue line, and it goes the other way, and it's in the net. So just the kind of things you can't do against Edmonton, and uh, Calgary paid the price. Yeah, and especially, you know, Markstrom hasn't played well against against Edmonton really all year, too. So that was... Yeah, exactly. Especially especially after that first game, it was an, another 9-6 game, <laughs> I think it was. Uh, I mean... You could just see that the the series was going to go one of two ways. Either it was going to be a, not a goalie's dream at all for either team, or you know Edmonton was going to figure it out, uh, and they did, and Calgary didn't for the most part. So I mean, we can all talk about that that goal that was disallowed in, in Game Five, and you know who knows if Calgary wins that, if that then the the series could have been completely different. But obviously, Calgary was had their backs to the wall. The after pretty much the entire time after that first game and just couldn't get it done. No, and it was uh, it was an uphill battle for them most of the series. Now, that definitely you could say it impacted our ability to win that game that we had to win to stay alive, game five. But, you know, say, saying that that goal cost in the series is just you can't say that. I mean, Edmonton was better for the majority of the last few games. Yeah, it was a controversial call. Didn't go Calgary's way, but Nevertheless, as a Flames fan, we'll ask you, what do you want to see this team do in the offseason? They've got some decisions to make. Uh, obviously, they're, they're, they're definitely bringing Daryl Sutter back. There's no question yeah. about that. He's done a good job in year one. He's got some of the best press conferences uh, in the NHL. Like I say, some of my favorite memories of him were, uh, you know, we got to score more than one goal. And then they ask him, how do you do that? Score two. That's, that's yeah. what he answered with. He's just those blame, you know, deadpan remarks. And then they ask him too. And when he was this back when he was with the LA Kings, uh, after a game like that, coach, what do you say to your team? Flight at eleven. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, flight at eleven. Nothing about the actually. Just those deadpan remarks. I mean, Daryl Sutter's a classic. He, always a must watch with the press conferences. But you know, as a Flames fan, what do you want to see them do in the off season with this roster? Yeah, like you said, Sutter is one of my favorites of, of all time in terms of coaches. You know, he, he's a great coach, and like the, his his media remarks are are top tier for sure. Like you put him in there with with him, Torts, and some of these <laughs> couple other guys that don't really care. You know, they're they're those old school guys, so they're gonna they they're not afraid to address the media in any sort of way. They'll just say what's on their mind. Sometimes it has nothing to do with hockey whatsoever. But, you know, you heard Daryl with the geese behind his house the one morning. <laughs> but um, so you, you have to keep Sutter for sure. Uh, I, I want to see Tree Living go at some point. You know, it probably won't be this season. But you getting down to the players, we're fortunate because Chucky is uh, is restricted this year. So, you know, getting him into a deal for sure is, is a priority. But Johnny is where the question lies because he's an unrestricted free agent and you know, I don't know how the rumor mill has been, you know, outside of Calgary, but you know, the rumor for a long time is that Johnny doesn't want to be here and that he's going to Philly. I mean, the rumor for what's been three, four years now is that he wants to go to Philly, play with Hazy because he played with Hayes and, and the NCAA, but um, going into, or just as playoffs started, I had talked to a buddy of mine who 
you know, it was buddies with Johnny and he was saying that Johnny changed his mind and wants to stay now. So, I mean, you know, you don't know, really know what the official, the word is. Obviously Johnny said in the media that he, uh, he wants to stay, but you can kind of see by his reaction that he isn't fully sold on, on staying in Calgary yet, but you know, you gotta, you gotta lock those two guys up first and then kind of work your way down the lineup. I think in my opinion. And super close to home, obviously, if he goes back to Philadelphia as well. Uh, as much as his parents were always in Calgary at the Saddle Dome cheering his, their son on uh, during the uh, playoffs there, I think they wouldn't mind a shorter travel distance to see him play. Uh, <laughs> yeah, for year. sure. And, ob- and obviously that changes significantly if he's going to end up going from, say, Calgary to Philadelphia next year. And, of course, John Tortorella just hired as the uh, head yep. coach of the uh, Philadelphia Flyers. So I don't know if that makes a player want to go there more because we are talking about a very demanding uh, coach that cracks the whip quite a bit, demands defense uh, from his play. Not that, and Johnny's defensive game, I think, got better. Look, he was criticized yeah, way better, especially last year, two years ago, away from the puck. He didn't play the way we, we want him to. Uh, yeah. But I thought last year, this past season, I mean, his, his defensive game improved. You know, it got better, uh, and you saw steps. And, boy, I'll tell you what right now, Kyle, if he goes to Philly, you better fucking play and I'm playing defense or else, you know, yeah. you're going to get, and he doesn't mind towards bench and the top player. He's done this before. Look at Pierre-Luc Dubois uh, yeah. in Columbus. You know, he treated that guy like a piece of shit sometimes for, for you know, sure. absolutely for, you know, dogging it at times defensively for various reasons. And he'd staple him to the bench. He did it with Lion A yeah. for a bit as well with the uh, Blue Jackets. He is not scared and he will not back down from benching a top six forward if he thinks it's warranted. So if you're Johnny Gaudreau and you're going to go to Philly and for you're going to sure. leave cushy Calgary here, be, 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 make, sure you're, <laughs> you're, make sure you're mindful of what's waiting for you here on the other side. A demanding coach that's going to make you play away from the puck and a 200-foot game at all times or else you're not going to play as much. Yeah, and the other thing about Calgary, too, is can they afford to keep both guys as well as re-sign some of these other guys? Uh, I mean, you have Manji has his contract up as well, so you got to think about re-signing him. Um, Monaghan, do we trade Monaghan? I mean, obviously, Monaghan, it came out that Monaghan. I'm ready to say good riddance to Monaghan, quite honestly. Yeah, I mean, I've wanted them to to deal Monaghan for a while now. I think it would have been smarter to deal him a couple years ago when he had more value. And now that it's come out that he's, I think, what, he's had double hip surgery now? Yep. Correct me Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, so who knows how he's going to feel going into next year. You saw him come into this this past season, and he did not look like the old the old Monahan. But then again, you look at it too, Monty and Johnny are, are best buddies. So if they deal Monty, then maybe that's even less of a reason for Johnny to want to stay. So whoever you – Tree Living has got to make got to make a good decision and figure it out. And also our, whoever the cap guy here in Calgary is, has to figure out a way to, to keep both these guys without giving away too much. Yeah, no question. So uh, we'll see what happens with Calgary. It's a big off for season sure. for them. Johnny Gaudreau, what's going to happen with him? Uh, yeah. The rumor mill churning that he might be going to Philly. We'll have to wait and see if that uh, comes to fruition. And so who do they I don't know if you made this leave. Yes, yeah, obviously. <laughs> and where does Calgary, yeah. Where does Calgary go after that? Uh, it, but I was just saying, you know, I, I'm thinking Kyle's rem- resembling someone to me and I couldn't think of it for a, a little Jacob Markstrom, believe it or not. Just a oh, little really? bit. Just a little <laughs> bit. Yeah. A little resemblance you have to Jake Martin minus the beard. Yeah. I haven't gotten that one before. I'll take that there one as a go. compliment for sure. 
there we go. Someone else we had a couple weeks ago looks exactly like Gabe Landeskog, and I'm like, Gabe Landeskog's a great captain. That's not not a yeah. bad comparison right there. Or someone good to look, have good a looking guy to. too. <laughs> uh, no question. Yeah, Gabe Landeskog, a great player. Like he'll score, sure. he'll do everything for you. He'll fight. He'll fight. Yeah, yeah. It's a great player, and it's fun to watch. Fun to watch him in the Avs, which is a great segue to what we'll get into in a minute. And that's Game Two uh, of the Stanley Cup Final on Saturday night, uh, Lightning and Avs. Um, so we'll get into that in uh, just a second. But first, I want to ask, did you have a Stanley Cup final prediction before the playoffs started? And if so, is it still standing? Uh, I had Calgary and Tampa. I wanted to see Calgary and Tampa go. I mean, I, I had a feeling Colorado was going to get there. But being, you know, the Calgary Flames fan, I was a little bit biased yeah. in the West. I hate Tampa because of 04, as I'm sure every Flames fan will tell you. Yeah. Uh, so I really wanted to see Calgary and Tampa and Calgary beat them this time. But Obviously, Calgary's not there. Colorado is, but I did have Tampa going to the finals um, in my bracket as much as I didn't want to see them there either. <laughs> see, I got one of two right as well, but my the one I got right was Colorado. I had Colorado, Carolina okay. from way, and, and this is from before yeah. the season. This isn't just a pre-playoff prediction. This okay. was before the wow. season. I said Carolina and Colorado, so I got one out of two. I'll take that. You know, a lot can change from October to June. And the fact that I got one of the teams in the Stanley Cup final, I'll take it. I'm happy with that. Uh, game two is Saturday night, Denver, Colorado, Ball Arena. Colorado minus 155 home favorites here in game two, leading the series one nothing. Total of six here uh, in game two uh, here. And uh, look, I already lean in Tampa Bay for game two. I mentioned that yesterday when Joe Madden was our guest uh, on the uh, show yesterday. Uh, she also kind of likes Colorado as well. Uh, in uh, game two uh, for me though I, I'm I'm, I'm going to probably stick with Tampa Bay just uh, like I said yesterday I mean they've been very good off a loss you actually look at Vasilevsky's numbers in particular in these playoffs in game one he has like a 3.4 goals against average 883 save percentage I mean those are awful numbers for a guy his for a goalie of his caliber uh, to have those numbers those are his game one numbers in the Stanley Cup playoffs and then you look at game two to game seven this year in the playoffs for Vasilevsky, it's like a 1.98 goals against average, 940 yeah. save percentage, and an 11 and three record, you know, for the Lightning and for him. So it's like this Lightning team is like, all right, game one, maybe we lose, but we take a game to feel out the opponent, get used to what's, you know, what they're throwing at us. We'll be fine. If we lose game one, it's not the end of the world. They've been here, done that. They know it's a series. They know it's first of four games. They're not going to panic after losing game one. We saw that against Toronto. We saw that against the New York Rangers. Yep. Where they actually lost the first two games of that series, came back the and won the time next in three four. Years. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they just don't panic after losing game one. Uh, they know it's a long series. They make their adjustments. They make their corrections. And look, John Cooper said it. They didn't play anywhere close to their best. And yet they were one shot away from winning that game. It still went to overtime. So there's probably a lot of room for improvement for the Lightning. You've got to expect Braden Point to feel a little bit better, uh, yeah. more comfortable with a game under his belt. You know, when you're off for a long period of time, maybe the first game it takes, a, you know, to get your legs under you. But I think the, having the game now under his belt is going to help him. Uh, Stamkos didn't have any points in game one. He's actually been, if you look at his game log here through the playoffs, when Stamkos is held to without a point, in one playoff game, he usually hits the score sheet in the next game. That's been the pattern. He's gotten a, a, at least one point in every game in these playoffs. Steven Stamp goes after being held off the score sheet. 
uh, in the previous game. So right away for props, you know, Steven Stamkos yeah. is one player I'm interested in. I, ke- I keep going to the well with Andre Pilat. This is absolutely insane that we keep getting incredible prices for him uh, to get a point. Uh, he has been a point-producing machine for the Lightning here in the playoffs, especially lately. Now, earlier in the playoffs, he was getting most of his points at home, but he's starting to get points on the road. He got a terrific goal, terrific feed from uh, Nikita Kucherov uh, in game one, uh, and he had a two-point game uh, that night, and he's only minus 136 to get a point uh, here in game two. Andre Palat, I think, continues to be very undervalued here for the uh, – Tampa Bay Lightning. We also talked about McKinnon and the fact he's averaged over 10 shots on goal per game at home Insane. in the playoffs. I mean, he's just he's just a, a wild, wild west uh, shoot, shooter right now. Insane. OK Corral. Shoot out at the OK Corral right here for yeah. uh, Nate McKinnon, averaging 10 <laughs> shots on goal per game. He, and his shots on goal props are usually around four and a half like they were in game one. Let me see if it's still that way for uh, McKinnon. Uh, yeah. Oh, they've moved it up to five. So they keep moving that price up a little bit, but it's hard to bet under this guy shoots a, the, the puck a lot. And he's averaging, you know, like I said, double figures and shots on goal per game. He had some games where he had 12 shots on goal, you know, at home yeah. in a playoff game. Absolutely insane. So those are some of the props I'm looking at early on. Uh, Arturi Lekkanen, I think could be undervalued in this series. He's starting to yeah. feel it. And as long as Kadri remains out for Colorado, you can trace back to his injury when Evander Kane slammed him into the boards there uh, against uh, Colorado, you can trace it back to his absence is when we saw Lekkonen's offensive game start to pick up because he's being asked to play more. He's getting more responsibility, more power play time now. And he scored the series winner in overtime against Edmonton. He scored yep. again uh, in game one against Tampa Bay. Uh, I think his props, you know, to score a goal, to get a point, uh, shots on goal, all of those player props for Arturi Lekkonen. I think are probably also worth a look. So I'm going to be on Tampa first period, full game, uh, money line split because I actually think in the first 20 minutes, Kyle, they will come out strong, knowing that they didn't have a good first period uh, in game one when they fell behind three to one. So that's the way I'm going to approach it, Kyle. What do you think here, game two, Saturday night, Tampa Bay, Colorado? Yeah, I think the big thing, touching on what you said, you know, point being back and already ha- and having a game under his belt now, I think that's going to be you know, the biggest thing for Tampa in, in the Stanley Cup final is, is point going to produce and up to the level that he has been until he was injured um, with point being in and Kadri being out that kind of tips the scales a little bit in terms of, or at least on paper in terms of, you know, the star power that's on the ice because Kadri was doing wonders for Colorado scoring, you know, hat tricks, he was scoring and getting points almost every game. Uh, you know, his aggressiveness, you know, getting under guys skins, drawing penalties, um, that's a huge loss. That's a huge loss for Colorado. And w- with point coming back, that's without both of them, you could see, you could see it kind of leaning more towards Colorado, but with point back, even if he is still a little bit banged up and Kadri out fully, I think the, the scales are tipping towards Tampa, but I do think that Colorado still has the, the offensive and the defensive ability to keep Tampa um, from scoring at will. And with, you know, McCarr and McKinnon, they'll be able to get some points up front as well. Um, I want to give game two to Colorado still with them being at home. But I mean, you look at last game, they were up three, one, you come back, you miss that second period. You come back to watch the third and it's tie game. (laughs) All of a sudden the next shot wins in overtime. Uh, I'm going to give game two to Colorado. And, but if Tampa does win, I think Braden point will get the game winning goal. Braden points and Braden point was uh, Braden point props again, could be worth 
uh, a little sprinkle as well, especially to get a goal because, you know, obviously the first game, you know, it was kind of a, uh, you know, get back up to game speed, you know, type of game for Braden Point when he's been out for the period of time that he's been. So uh, he was a little bit quiet offensively than normally he is, but I think you're yeah. right. He'll be more noticeable. I, I think we're all and everybody can pretty much agree, and it's it's pretty logical and straightforward to see why. You know, he the game played 18 played. minutes too in yeah. that in that game coming back, so he's he's still getting that ice time. And I think in game two, he'll his ice time will will increase depending on how he's feeling going in, and from there his offensive production will increase as well. Yeah, exactly. I think they took it, uh, you know, just uh, eased him, glided him back in. You know, to uh, obviously yeah. you're talking the Stanley Cup final. It's hard to just say, you know, you're coming back from a uh, significant injury here. You've been out for a few weeks. Let's throw you in there and give you 22, 23 minutes of ice time. You know, it yeah. doesn't always work that. And when you're Tampa Bay, you know, you've certainly got a very loaded forward group where you don't have that pressure to throw him in there for, you know, 22, 23 minutes if you, you're worried that he needs a game to really get back up to that game speed of a Stanley Cup final. But I Definitely. still thought in game one, Kyle, you can talk about this. Didn't it look like he was still skating all right? To me, he was skating fine. Uh, you know, and I think it's only going to get better from him game two and onward. Yeah, I think so. And Braden Point's a tough guy. I mean, he's he's from Calgary as well, Calgary here as well. So, you know, I, yep. I've watched him play since, you know, he got into the league. Um, he's a great player and he's a tough kid and he's not going to let, you know, a little... I mean, not a little injury, but being a little bit banged up, especially in the Stanley Cup final, hold him back at all. He's going to go out there until, I mean, you saw him skating uh, when he was, when he was out, you know, he skated until he literally fell down. Uh, he's not taking it easy. He's going to yeah. push himself to get through it. And he, you know, he falls down, he gets back up. Uh, he's just one of those guys that's a, a peer, you know, you look at, you tell young kids, guys to look at, guys to want to play like and be like, Braden Point's one of those guys for sure. Yeah, no, there's no question about that. Uh, and uh, we saw it again uh, in the Toronto series. I remember that the game he did, the game he got hurt, game seven, where he has that injury. We think, uh oh, he's out for the rest of the game. I'm worried yeah. about the rest of the season. And there he is in the second period trying to come back. I mean, yeah. more guts than brains, but still, you got to admire the guts. <laughs> That's I mean, a hockey just, player for you, though. <laughs> it is, I mean, especially in a game seven, right? Your two yeah. seasons on the line, and look, they were this close to getting knocked out by Toronto, and maybe not yeah. even being at the point that, they, no pun intended, uh, that they're on, uh, that they're at right now here in game two of the Stanley Cup final. Uh, but uh, that shows you how tough Braden Point is, and he's not afraid to get involved in scrums after the whistle. He's fought a few times as well. Yeah. He's not scared to do that as well, kind of like Landeskog on the uh, uh, Colorado side. So, no, he's a great player. Tampa Bay's having great to have him back. Obviously, are happy to have him back. Uh, again, his ice time was a little bit lower than normal in Game One. I think that was by design. You watch Braden Point. Sure. You're, yeah, not that he's for sure going to score a goal or get on the score sheet, but you're right. He's going to be more noticeable and he's going to be way more comfortable, Kyle, out on that ice in Game uh, Two uh, on Saturday night. Who do you think under the radar is a player that might step up, in your opinion, in this game for either side? Um. Oh, that's a good question. Outside uh, of the obvious, like no Stamkos, no, no, not Kucherov, not Palat, not McKinnon, not Ranton, and not Landeskog. Who, other than some of those players on either side, could you see stepping up? I think Bowen Byram on the Colorado side. You know, you've seen him slow, slowly really start to well. get, yeah, and you've yep. seen him, you know, even as just the playoffs have gone along, develop and, um, as a player and really step up his level in, in playoff hockey. Um, on the Tampa side, I think Hagel is as a guy to 
kind of keep in the back of your head. You know, he's been struggling a little bit and you saw kind of Makar shove him right off behind the behind the net the other night. But Hagel, I've seen Hagel play since since he was in the WHL. You know, he's a he's a big, strong, tough kid that if he gets an opportunity, he can finish it. So if he's if your top scorers are, you know, not producing that game and Hagel gets a shot, he can finish for you. Um and same on the other side. If Byram has an opportunity, he's getting to the point in his career, at least in his game right now, where he's dangerous. And that could be a turning point for both teams if one of these guys really steps up. Yeah, those are good picks. I, I'm, I'm sticking with the uh, under-the-radar players, especially for props. And we'll t- get into this more on Saturday. We'll be on at noon Eastern live with uh, Vito, our regular uh, guest from on the weekends from Latvia. Renus Vitalins will be joining us uh saturday and sunday as he always does and we'll get into in depth more even more of the props for game two on the saturday show but i'm going to stick with some of the players i had success kyle i cashed goal score props of plus 300 or greater with arturi lekanen who i mentioned earlier i think he's one of those guys that's going to be an impact player for colorado he already has been in this series outside of the big guns and for tampa bay i'm going to go back to the well with nick paul who got the uh, first period goal Plus three hundred or plus three seventy five, he was to score a goal. So you turn hundred bucks into three seventy five uh, if you took that goal scorer prop with Nick Paul. He's been he's had chances in every game and shorthanded. He's always dangerous. He's always one of the better penalty killers for Tampa Bay. John Cooper plays him a lot. He's learned to count on him at both ends of the ice, uh, and he has gotten his offensive game going. So Nick Paul, who's going to get paid in the off season, he's an unrestricted free oh, agent. Definitely. He's going to get a nice contract. Someone is going to see this performance here in the Stanley Cup playoffs and say, yep. we could use that. And that's the shitty thing, too, when these when these underrated guys <laughs> get uh, get uh, you know a new push in the playoffs and they're in their last year of their contract. They're going into the offseason saying, hey, <laughs> look what yeah. I did. And, you know, like you said, one of these other teams might see that and pay them a little bit more than than some of the than the team that they're on right now. So. No, it's exactly right. We always say, watch out for the players. You can say maybe you don't trust them, you don't like their game, you don't think they're very good, but always watch out for the the motivational element, the incentive element of a player playing for a contract like Nick Paul is. And you're seeing him, like he wants to win a cup too, and he's playing on a great team. He wants to win, no question, but he wants to get that mucho dinero uh, next year as well and a big money contract. And how do you do that? You have a one hell of a Stanley Cup playoffs. And a great regular season as well, which he did have between Ottawa, where he started the year, then he got traded to Tampa Bay, and he's played well there. And he's looking for that big money contract. Players get incentivized to play extremely well the season going into a year where their contract's up, and they're playing for that big money. That's why, just to compare to the NFL, I'm fascinated to see what Danny Dimes, Daniel Jones, does this year for the New York Giants. Because this is a guy that if he plays well, they declined the option on his contract, but he's so he's going to be a potential free agent next year. But if he has that big year with the Giants, it looks like they've got a good coach bringing him Dable in from Buffalo. The offensive and defensive lines are better. He's got tons of weapons at receiver. Maybe Barkley finally can stay healthy at running back. I mean, the pieces are in place. The table has been set for Daniel Jones to have maybe his best season. And if he does have a good season and a big season, he's going to get paid next year. You watch how that motivates a guy like that just like what we're seeing right now Kyle with Nick Paul yeah I mean look at Evander Kane too what's going to happen with with him and his contract obviously he's not in the Stanley Cup final but if you you know you want to touch on some other guys Evander Kane's the the big one 
you know, is is Edmonton yep. gonna is Edmonton gonna pay him, or is another team gonna try and pay him, or are they gonna say, oh, it's just because he's he you know he's with McDavid and Drysaitel and and these guys in this team, that's why he's he's you know popping off like he did in the playoffs and even in the regular season. I mean, the guy was scoring at will since Edmonton picked him up. Um, but then you look at his outside antics, and you know, is he a room guy? And you know, there's a lot of things to consider with Kane for sure. Uh, what do you think is gonna happen with him? Do you think he's gonna get paid by Edmonton or another team or? I think he's gone. Just be and I look. I Edmonton wants him back, and I think he liked being there. And of course, you play with yeah. Connor McDavid. <laughs> who who wouldn't like playing with Connor McDavid? <laughs> makes you look great. You know, he'll yeah. make a uh, he'll make a garbage can look like a good hockey player. Yeah, uh, playing next to him <laughs> on his line. But uh, it, no, exactly. I mean, Evander Kane played great, and it was a perfect fit. Like his skill set and his ability to finish in tight quarters around the net, and just an ability to put the puck in the net and finish your chances. That's what Edmonton missed alongside McDavid for a long period, and they found it with Evander Kane. So they want him back badly, but they're not going to overpay for him. They can't afford to overpay for him. And Evander Kane, we know he's had gambling issues off the ice. He says it wasn't sports. It was all table games. It was poker. It was Baccarat, and Baccarat can really get you in trouble. I mean, that's that's the thing that could really, really get you behind the eight ball if you start losing and you don't stop. You know, yeah. playing that. Uh, I mean, and he had, a, he had a penthouse in Vegas at one point too. I don't know if he still does, but I remember him in a barstool interview. They went to his penthouse, and it was like a, it was almost like an MTV Cribs type thing, where he was just he literally he just had cash, like pulling out yep. cash. It's like, oh, well, where's all that at the tables now? <laughs> and that's yep. how you He's find all... yourself twenty seven million dollars in debt or whatever it is. <laughs> <laughs> Buying a shit ton of homes, yeah, exactly. Yeah, With or money that you're likely to lose at some point potentially. Yeah. <laughs> you got a gambling craze, and that's exactly what happened with Kane. So he yeah. wants this. He wants to get paid. He wants. He needs money. He probably needs money a little bit too. Oh, and sure. so I don't know if Edmonton can give him that money. I think he loved his time there. I think he looked happy. I think. I think he actually fit in nicely. I don't think there were antics, you know, in the dressing room. I actually think he probably was on his best behavior. Everybody says he was a great teammate. He didn't cause any fuss or any issues. Now. You could say, hey, they're lying or they're maybe hiding something. I don't know if there's a reason for them to hide anything. I actually think he probably – it was a good hockey team, and he didn't want to upset the apple cart. They put the olive branch out there and said, hey, Evander, we're going to bring you in. We're taking a chance on you. Why the fuck yeah. would he go in there and upset shit and, and be a dis, dis, you know disturbance You know, when, when after everything they did to bring you in? you know, I think you said, I, I got to do it the right way here with this team. I got to act accordingly. Beyond my best behavior, I think he was. And obviously on the ice, he produced. He was just beyond terrific. And I think he likes it there. He he would like to stay there. And they definitely want him back. But I think the money is going to end up standing between the Oilers bringing Kane back next year. Yeah, I... I just I don't know if another team would pay him either, though, is is my thing. Especially, I I don't know how much he's going to ask for, but... uh, I think other teams are going to look at him and, and one, see the outside antics and, you know, because it's not going to be a, sh- a sure thing. You bring him in, you're going to see what's going to happen in, in terms of, you know, him out, off the ice and in the room. But I also think they're going to look at him and say, hey, I mean, he was with McDavid. And obviously Kane has always been a, an offensive guy who can produce um, and all, obviously be physical on the ice. But, you know, his skill level with with McDavid, that's that. that that's a that's a different that's a different game you know that's different than him going out there with with Johnny or or uh or Lindholm you know it's not to put those guys down or anything but I mean it's a different animal 
you know, he's out there with McDavid and Drysaddle, two guys that just set records in the playoffs for points, even though Drysaddle was basically playing on one leg. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, which was so, commendable by the way and all this nonsense dude. about darnell nurse i'm defending my fellow uh hamilton man uh darnell nurse who's from hamilton just like i am i'm going to defend him people said oh he played like crap against colorado you go out on that ice with a torn fucking hip flexor you stupid yeah. fuck and see how you do i mean stop yeah. giving him so many uh uh problems and so many uh be, you know verbal tongue lashings for looking so bad in that series yeah. he's doing the best he can he's going up against this incredible colorado team I mean, cut the guy some slack. He's playing through a torn hip flexor. What do you want the guy to do? You're playing a great Colorado team. Yeah, I'm sure, he struggled a little bit. I don't, I don't, I don't argue that. But let's cut the guy some slack. He's playing through a torn hip flexor. Would you do that? Probably yeah, not. The, the injuries are, were insane this year for all like in playoffs in general. I mean, look at all the goalies that were out. I mean, Saros didn't play yep. one game. Uh, Kemper almost had his eyeball taken out. Uh, it's it's insane. And then you look at like you said, Nursey. Uh, dry saddle with his ankle, Tanev with yep. his shoulder. Uh, Barely got back to the bench on one shift, dry saddle, oh, you know, after yeah. getting knocked down. I had to limp back to the bench. You see him bent over, you know, on the bench. The camera zooms in. He's in severe, yeah. obvious pain, and yet he goes back out there for the next shift in a must-win game. I mean, warrior. That's, and that's you the can word. See, that there, were, there were video clips that popped up of guys hacking at his ankles, too. You know, yeah. I mean, it was. Take no prisoners. They knew he was hurting yeah. there, and it's like, it uh, we don't give secret. two shits. Like, yeah, let's let's go after not, it. He was not yeah. trying to hide the fact that he was he was injured at all. I mean, I mean, how could no. you when you're in that much pain? I don't I don't know if it came out what exactly his injury was. I think it was like a high ankle sprain or something like that. Um, but and uh, he got slew footed at one point because you talk about yeah. into that same spot, that same ankle. And I'm like, geez, that's definitely going to uh, yeah. be a, a concern. Yep. Yeah. I mean, it was you got to commend dry settle for for that performance with, you know, playing on one leg that <laughs> the entire the entire playoffs. But back to Kane, you, I mean, who is is someone going to pay him? That's going to be the that's my question. Is someone yeah. going to pay him, or is he going to you know take a, a smaller deal to stay in Edmonton and keep lighting it up? Yeah, maybe maybe we're uh, maybe maybe the market isn't going to be as beaming about Evander Kane as he hopes and he thinks it will be. Because look, yeah. he's he's going to look at this and say, I just performed ridiculously well for a, a team with Connor McDavid, the Oilers on it. My my value is at the zenith right now. It's as high as it can yeah. be. I got to cash in large right now. And I think that's going to end up superseding loyalty. That's going to end up superseding how great a fit. It, I think he knows it was a great fit in Edmonton, but yeah. that big money that could be waiting from somewhere else. I think he's going to get paid by a lot of other teams a little bit. Now, yeah. how much more is the question? You're right in terms of the amount, but he will get paid more than Edmonton can, I think, currently afford to pay for him. He, uh, there's going to be a bunch of other teams that can already afford him afford to pay him more and i yeah. think he's probably going to gravitate to one of those teams because at the end of the day i think he's a money guy he's proven that yeah. in the past for sure i mean you can you can also kind of throw back at him like hey yeah, about you benjamin's baby yeah that's yeah. what it is for Vanderkin. i'm sure he's got that song in one of his uh uh collections yeah. there you can you can throw back at him too like yeah you did all this offensive production but you also took yourself out of uh, you know game five or, or game four i guess with with colorado in terms of you know, injuring Kadri and get yourself suspended for a game, which who knows if, if Kane played that game, maybe they won and maybe the series turns around, but probably not. But I mean, that's, you know, you can bring up his, his undisciplined actions there as well, but 
Yeah, exactly. And uh, I, I, I think we're both thinking we're both hesitant on saying he's returning to Ed. I don't think he is. I think somehow someone's going to pay him more than Edmonton can afford to. And I think that's probably where he ends up going. Yeah. Uh, gets the money, gets the bag, grabs the bag, uh, as we like to say. Yeah. Uh, because of the fact that, uh, again, that that's where he's shown that his most primary concern in his life. I, I hate to say that, you know, even among family for a bit and wife and kids and all that was money. Yeah. So he's probably going to end up going uh, where the money is when it's uh, all said and done. Uh, excellent stuff with uh, our guest here, Kyle Forge. Awesome stuff. Uh, great. Looking forward to game two, of course, for the Stanley Cup final. Uh, DraftKings Sportsbook, official sports betting partner of the NHL. Want to talk about that? Our great partners, new customers, bet just $1 on any NHL team. Get $150 in free bets if they win. If DraftKings Sportsbook isn't available in your state, you can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contests. DraftKings giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit download the DraftKings app sign up for an account use the promo code THPN bet just one dollar on any NHL team get $150 in free bets if they win that's promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the NHL must be 21 years of age or older must reside in a DraftKings Sportsbook state or province restrictions apply see DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER download the DraftKings app sign up for an account use the promo code THPN uh, I just find it funny we do the uh, 1-800-GAMBLER reference on every promo ad. How fitting we just talked about Evander Kane. <laughs> I wasn't right? going to say it, but yeah. That... <laughs> yeah, I just did. Works in there. I just yeah. did. Nope, I, I'm, I'm, one of the, I'm one of those people that's the, the racy jokes are in my wheelhouse. I sometimes go there. Like yeah, I said, to someone, seen, good friend of mine. Too, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, we don't hold shit back. If you see no. Kyle's Twitter, my Twitter, yeah, we don't hold anything back. <laughs> Just like a friend of mine going to Chicago for training for work, I said, uh, "Try not to get shot while you're there." Yeah, you know. So. Yeah, I had I had a player that just that played for me with the Mustangs. That he was, uh, we're, we're pretty good buddies now. But uh, he uh, he was just in Nashville after I got back. I was there for about three months. But when I got back, he went out, and then uh, he, they ended up going to Memphis too for a couple of days. I was like, oh, don't, "Don't get shot. It's not not it's not Broadway." <laughs> Yeah, yeah, they've had issues with shit. Chicago just beyond yeah. bad uh, with the, uh, uh, the number of shootings that have been going on in that city. It's it's sad to see. It's such a wonderful city to go to and travel to, and yeah. great city. I mean, obviously, and a great metropolitan U.S. city, and to see it being uh, bombarded by violence and shootings is just uh, awful. Uh, but uh, nevertheless, uh, it, it is still a great city. You just hope that that subsides at some point. Uh, no question. Uh, all right. So, uh, but by the way, we're going to get to best bets. Have a best bet in mind, Kyle, because we'll get to that in a minute before we wrap up the show. But tell us a little bit about what you're doing now. Talk about, and you're doing a podcast with a longtime professional hockey player, Zach Boychuk, uh, yeah. who played with the Carolina Hurricanes for many years. I think a cup of coffee with a couple other NHL teams. Then he went over yeah. to Russia, I know, for a bit, uh, KHL, and he just finished a season in Germany with Ice Bear in Berlin. Yeah. Uh, so he's been busy overseas playing the last few years. So yeah, talk about you and uh, Zach Boychuk with uh, your show. Yeah, so we we started a podcast uh, a little bit through COVID called the Athlete and Artist Show. Um, obviously, Zach being being the athlete, being the professional hockey player, myself being the artist. Uh, by artist, recording artist, I make music. I've been uh, I've been involved in music since I was nine years old. So you know, it was kind of hockey and music to start, and then music was the one thing that's carried with me throughout my entire life. So. I, uh, as I mentioned, I was in Nashville for three months writing music, uh, mostly focused on pop, hip hop, and, and now getting into the countryside. 
but uh yeah chucky and i built this podcast uh we did one season of it and kind of took a break because he he was still he went into his second season in berlin and i was i was out out down south there but uh we basically we called the athlete and artist show because we both we both found that we have very different opinions on or different outlooks on different things so you know but we still have you know a good chemistry and we're you know we're obviously good buddies so we can talk about something or disagree on something without you know going going head to head or getting disrespectful things like that but zach was one of the guys one of the first athletes you know up there with with paul bissonette or at least on the hockey side that really started using social media to their advantage and you know building brands um for themselves outside of the sport and that was one thing that zach and i wanted to talk about on on our podcast with our guests is you know yeah all, all of our guests will have their their main career whether it's music uh sport or uh, crypto we we talk about a lot about now too but how how did you you know use social media to or use your i don't even think crypto people people that love crypto want to hear about crypto right now i mean my <laughs> gosh what a freaking bloodbath it's been the last uh few months um is that shit turning around or what? I mean, it's just been really tough for Bitcoin, and I see that just the tanking prices. I mean, it's just uh, it's been it's been rough here these last few months. Yeah, I mean, it's the same thing that happened in 2018, though. When you look at the charts, I mean, it's just following a trend. So it's going to get down once it finds the bottom. Then you know, it could be a couple months before it booms again, or it could be a year, it could be two years. But once it finds that bottom, then things will start to slowly start looking up. But yeah, that, I mean, Zach and I got into that last year, too. I mean, we started talking about that on the podcast or working with different crypto um, projects to either help promote them or work on the marketing side. You know, there were just a lot of different things in COVID that you had to adapt to, you know, whether he was if he wasn't playing, what was he doing? If I couldn't, you know, go make music or do a show, what was that? how could I figure out another, you know, another source of income type thing? You no, know, that that's yeah. the, and the, the good thing about your podcast, right? It's not, it's not even though Zach Boychuk, hockey player, it's not just all about hockey. They talk about yeah. different topics, different subjects. Like uh, you've got a wide variety, right, of different subjects and topics. You'll talk with uh, between the two of you and whatever guests you have on that particular show, right? Yeah, and we've had a range of guests too. I mean, our first guest was Paul Paul Bissonette from Spitting Chicklets, and obviously a former NHLer. We've had Chloe Touré, who was a playmate of the year. She used to live in the Playboy Mansion with was handpicked by Hugh Hefner. Uh, she's a she's a good friend Paul of ours. Bissonette and a Playboy playmate. That's pretty good. Yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> you've we, done good with the guest list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we had we had Brett Kissel too, uh, Canadian country star. Uh, we've had the Sheepdogs. If you're a classic rock and roll fan, oh, yeah. the Feet Sheepdogs. Good like yeah, I know I should. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we've had a, we've had a lot of different people. And starting off season two, we've got um, Mitch Garber, who is one of the owners of the Seattle Kraken, coming on. Uh, we've got another, um, music artist named Dill most likely coming on. And then we've got, uh, we were talking with, uh, Ryan Straz, who used to play for the Humboldt Broncos, um, as well. He's going to be coming on talking about sledge hockey and a lot of things that, um, he's got going on now as well. So there you go. Yeah. And you got some, some music stuff going on on the side as well. So you're a busy guy. That's Kyle Forge. <laughs> yeah, keeping busy and follow him on Twitter. He's actually a good follow. I endorse his uh, following him on Twitter at KForge because he's uh, very active and very outspoken, like me. That makes for a good Twitter follow, no doubt about that. All right, best bets for game two uh, Stanley Cup final, Saturday night, Tampa Bay, Colorado. We'll start with our guest, Kyle Forge. Uh, Kyle, uh, what do you like here for a best bet for game two? Uh, 
I mean, I've got I've got to take Colorado. I think in game two for sure. Um, do you, you want me to give a score as well here? Sure, I will record the what the I will record what the score is. Colorado, by the way, minus one fifty five for a game two. Kyle liking them to take a two nothing series lead. Yep. Yeah, give me the f- correct score. Okay. And I will write it down because if, if that corrects, because you can bet correct score props, if that hits, we'll give you all the credit in the world for it. <laughs> all right. All right. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go. Oh, man, that was such a close game. I think it's going to be 4-3 in overtime. I think it's going to go to overtime again, but it's going to be 4-3 this time. Or another 4-3, I guess. 4-3 the second go. time in a row. Uh, it's going to be, the. I think the scoring is really going to open up for sure again. So. You know, maybe maybe not four three. Maybe I'll go five four. Maybe I'll go five four. Oh, even higher scoring than yeah, game. We're gonna one. go higher scoring. All right, Colorado minus one fifty five. Best bet for Kyle, uh, and he's gonna give you a bonus little correct score prop. Just sprinkle a couple bucks on it. Five four, uh, Colorado. Uh, let me see what the price is of that. Just because uh, I think you'll see a lot of books have that posted already. I'm hoping that's the case here. Watch uh, it be a one nothing game now. <laughs> well, if Tampa Bay, I kind of like Tampa Bay to win, and it will be low scoring, I think, if Tampa Bay wins. But if Colorado wins, it's definitely more likely uh, to be yeah, high scoring. That's Colorado 5-4 is 20 to 1, plus 2,000. <laughs> yeah, plus 2,000 for Colorado 5-4, uh, correct score. So there you go. A uh, hundred bucks would turn into 2,000 for you if that ends up uh, cashing in. So Colorado 5-4, but Colorado minus 155, the official best bet for Kyle. My best bet is going to be against Kyle, actually. It's going to be Tampa Bay, uh, plus 135. I I like them in this situation to bounce back strong. I like the first period as well. I'm going to split it up, first period, full game, but going to go with the uh, full game, plus 135 for a best bet here for this uh, Friday show. And reminder, we're going to have a lot more game two preview analysis Side total props Saturday for our next live show at noon Eastern. It'll be me and Vito uh, breaking that down on the Saturday edition of the Ice Guys. Uh, Kyle, great job on the show. I hope you enjoyed it. Hope you had fun. And thanks for joining us today. Yeah, thank you so much. I appreciate you reaching out and bringing me on. I'd love to come back anytime you need someone. All right, we'll do that. We'll bring you back for sure. And certainly next season, we're winding down with the number of shows this year, but uh, we'll we'll definitely have you on the radar to come back uh, next year. Great stuff. Kyle Forge, check him out on Twitter, at KForge. Reminder, the Ice Guys is live uh, seven days a week, Monday to Friday, 2 p.m. Eastern, Saturday and Sunday, noon Eastern. If you can't watch the show live, download the Ice Guys podcast in audio form on all major podcast platforms. Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio. Download the Ice Guys podcast when you can't watch the show live. For our special guest, Kyle Forch, I'm Ian Cameron. Have a great Friday, and we'll be back Saturday, noon Eastern, for Game 2 Analysis with Vito and I on the Ice Guys, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network.